Hello, and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online service. We are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to our messages again, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the service. Thank you, Pastor Dylan. And thank you, church, for this warm welcome. Today's Palm Sunday when Jesus was warmly welcomed in Jerusalem. I feel a tiny bit of that today. I just experienced a tiny bit of that with your acclamation. So thank you. So with that said, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to bless a couple of people before uh, we read the scripture on, way, on which our text will be based, our message will be based. First of all, I'd like to uh, say a note of gratitude that my father from Haiti was able to make it yesterday out of a thank you. He left the scene of violence, gunshots, kidnapping, so I'm very grateful that he made it here safely. So thank you for those who are praying. Some of you know we've been longing for him for four years, but by the grace of God, he was able to make it yesterday. Second of all, I'm grateful for, I'd like to uh, honor my wife, Mary Evelyn, for being not only my favorite musician, yes, <laughs> but an excellent communicator, an excellent person as at anticipating your needs before you even realize. Uh, I drove my dad from New York City yesterday because that's where he landed. When we got home, uh, everything was set up, extra uh, towels, everything was purchased, everybody was set up. I was not expecting that. And the vehicle that I was gonna drive to New York was, I mean, squeaky clean as though we freshly purchased it. So thank you so much for being the kind of spouse, being both a beautiful, a beautiful soul and a beautiful person. I guess the, the tree, I, did, I, did, I guess they said the acorn does not fall far from the tree, but uh, Marilyn's mom sent us, sent my brother, my sister, and my dad uh, very thoughtful gifts, a nice letter welcoming, him, welcoming them to the United States, and also a wallet. Each of them get a wallet with money in it. Can you believe that? <laughs> I didn't receive that when I came here, and I married our daughter. I didn't get anything. So anyway, but with that said, uh, all kidding aside, uh, if you see a little extra pep on my steps, it's because I'm, I feel very blessed to be here and very uh, grateful for the things that God has done in my life, in my family's life. So with that said, let us stand up real quick and read the text from which our scripture will be based. So if you have your Bible with you, please open it in the book of John, where the passage speaks about Palm Sunday, the, where we find that celebration that we do today. Uh, in John chapter 12, we're going to read together uh, verses 12 through 26. John chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 36. And you might see the title of the message today is, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Essentially, it's what happens to your felt needs when you come to see the King. Let's read together. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. 
So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing? Look, the whole world, the world has gone after him. Verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked them, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Your word that divides bones and marrow. Your word that is sharper than a two-edged sword. Let your word today speak through me, to me, to your people. Lord, help us dispense that which is true and according to your word, your reality, the true, the ultimate reality, and not according to myself. Please use my feeble lips as I try to communicate the message you have put on my heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be seated. It might be a good sign when your emergency room doctor laughs, laughs to your face. It was about, I was in my second year in seminary. I was attending a a pretty stressful class on Second Peter, and all of a sudden, I felt a sudden pain in my chest, as though somebody 
had reached in inside of my chest cavity and squeezed my heart like a squishy ball in the head of a three-year-old. And in the middle of the class, I looked to my left, surrounded by 15, 20 other fellow students. I was embarrassed. I'm thinking, what if I drop dead in the middle of class? And what if I leave before class is early? Everybody's gonna say, why is he leaving class early? So I muttered to my friend, who was my best friend, and I happened to be his best man at his wedding, and I said, Eden, please, uh, as soon as class is over, please drive me to the emergency room. And I said, as soon as class is over, because I'm too embarrassed to drop dead in front of everyone, I'm too embarrassed to leave early, whichever is worse, I don't know. But in a few minutes later, I know my friend and I, I was driving that by CRV and he was there just in case I dropped behind the wheel. We drove about five minutes to the emergency room at DuPage County Hospital. And within a few minutes, the triage team wheeled me in front of the doctor. And I said, doc, doc, I think I'm having a heart attack. He looks at, he looks at me and he laughs. And he said, you're not having a heart attack. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm dying. And he looked at me and he pointed with his hand as an argument. He, he, put a, he pointed at my whole body and he said, look at you, you can't be having a heart attack. And I said, anyway, before I argued, I just said, you know what? But for your peace of mind, I'm gonna plug you in in a few, a few nodes on you, a few nodes I'm gonna plug on you and run the machine and I'll bring you back the results just for your peace of mind. Thinking I'm gonna be vindicated, I said, yes, please do so. So the, uh, the nurse, the nurse Kate, Kate walks in to do her magic, you know, to do the plug and all the prepare. In the meantime, you know, she asked me for my debit card and swipe certificate to take my deductible. That's how bad they felt for the dying skinny man. <laughs> and, and then a few minutes later, the doctor walks in and he said, here's the reading to your results. Good news you're not having a heart attack. You have acid reflux. <laughs> and here, take this whenever you feel pain. And he sent me on my way. That day, I felt very relieved that my felt needs were not my actual needs. How many of you here today know that there is a difference between your felt needs and your real needs? There is a difference between what you think you need, what you feel you need, than what you actually ultimately need. Today's Palm Sunday. We enter a text today, we enter into a story where Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem from Bethany. And if you remember the story, if you read the book of John, you know what's in Bethany. Those are the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And who did Jesus raise from the dead prior to that? Lazarus. So Jesus is coming from a Thanksgiving dinner that was offered in his honor for raising a man who was dead, correct? And here is Jesus walking up to Jerusalem and as you read in the story, coming to meet him is a throng of people, it's a crowd. 
here to honor him. In that crowd, they rightfully identified Jesus as king. Because such he truly was. How we know that? Jesus accepted the honor. They said, Hosanna, blessed he is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. So the crowd rightfully identified Jesus as king. And in their mind, they think they needed Jesus to save them, and they were right. They needed a king, they needed a savior. However, the question is, what kind of kings, what kind of king did they want? What kind of king did they need? The kind of king they wanted was the kind of king that was going to deliver them from Rome. But is that the kind of king they actually needed? So the question before us today is this. What happens to your felt needs when you come to see the king? What happens to what, happens to what you actually think you need? when you actually have an encounter or seek an encounter with Jesus. Perhaps you're here today to see the king. Perhaps you're listening online and you are here because you feel the need for a husband or a new husband, for a wife or a new wife. Perhaps you're here asking yourself, when will this pain go away? That physical pain, maybe that emotional pain, that loneliness that grips your heart, because despite the fact that you are surrounded by people, but you are not connected to anyone. Perhaps you're here because you feel the need for deliverance, deliverance from addiction, perhaps from substances, from drugs, or from innocent things, even your cell phone. But whatever it is, you're here maybe because you think you need someone. You're here maybe because you think you need something. That someone may be a significant other. That someone may be a new boss. That someone, if you're a business owner, may be a new employee. That something may be a new relationship. That something may be a new job. That something may be a restoration of your marriage. Or broken relationship with family, parents, dad. So just like the crowd who came to see Jesus, they wanted a king who would meet their earthly and immediate needs. You come here maybe today wanting Jesus to meet your felt needs. So we ask what happens to your felt needs when you come to see the king? Well, we see when you come to see the king, we're going to see through the text today, couple of answers. The first answer is when you come to see the king, you find out whom you truly need. When you come to see Jesus, you find out he is a different Jesus than the Jesus you thought you needed. When you come to meet the king, you find out whom you actually needed. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> With that said, Let's delve into, the, into the, the kind of king that the people thought they needed, the kind of king they actually needed. If you look at the text, what do you observe? You notice that these people, they came in, they start waving, uh, they, they're waving, waving palm branches, 
We see what they did because they're waving palm branches. You know, in the year about 141 BC, almost 200 or so years before Jesus came to Jerusalem, there was somebody named Simon the Maccabee who drove out the Syrian out of Jerusalem. Did you know how they welcomed Simon the Maccabee? The exact same way Jesus was being welcomed right there with palm bridges. Do you know why? Because this is a conqueror. This is a victor. He delivered us from our oppressors. It is as though you are a Ukrainian right now and somebody came and delivered you from the invading army from Russia. How would you welcome them? Well, these folks, they welcome Simon the Maccabee with palm branches and festivities. It's a sign of nationalism. It's a sign of national focus. So it's to say, by waving palm branches, here is our deliverer. Here is the one who's going to politically lead us to the right policies, to the right place. Here's the one who's going to save us by fighting those who are fighting against us. So when you wave the palm branches, you are acknowledging that person is your military leader. And in that person, you find someone who's going to help you self-govern, who's going to help you be autonomous and not be ruled by Rome or some other powers that may be. And when they wave the palm branches, they welcome Jesus. And what did, how did Jesus answer? And first of all, let's see what they say, not just with their gestures. We know that also they welcome Jesus as king by what they said. They said, Hosanna. Hosanna is found in Psalm 118, verse 25. It means save now. But in this sense, after a while, that, that expression came to mean like an acclamation, like you say, hail the king. It came to mean something like that. And here it says, that, but they, they recited the text. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then they added that tag where they recognized we, the king of Israel. So the crowd rightfully identifies as the king, but the kind of king they see is the kind of king that's going to deliver them from their present time of need, from their military need, but it's not the king that Jesus is going to reveal himself to be. What kind of king is Jesus going to reveal himself to be? Let's look at verse 14. And Jesus found a young donkey. If you read the other gospels, you already know, Jesus didn't just find a donkey, but John, for the focus of what he's preaching, he glossed over that piece. And we're going to gloss over it too. Jesus sat on the donkey. And here's the text. It says, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey, on the, on the donkey's colt. So, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy, according to John here. And Jesus is agreeing that he is that Messiah, that king, that the people, the crowd actually identified him for. for. We know that Jesus accept that. Why? Because he didn't run away like he did before. After he did some miracles, the people wanted to make him king. What did he do? The time was not yet ready. He fled. He disappeared. You know, he melted like butter among them. And this time, Jesus walked walk right through the parade. He accepted the shouts of the people. Men, women, children. He let them call him 
the king of Israel. If you read Psalm 118, it does not say the king of Israel in there. It does not. So the people identify Jesus rightfully as the king of Israel. But who does Jesus reveal himself to be? As a king riding on a donkey, just like the prophecy said. Now, if you don't have the context, you may say, okay, maybe that's what military leaders rode on. Well, if you look at Zechariah chapter 9, uh, verse 9, if you can put that up, please, Flavia. Uh, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Here's the, here's, here's the, key, the kicker here. Humble and mounted on a donkey. So, by way of context, we learn that riding on the donkey, Jesus come as a humble king, not a conquering king in the earthly problems the people were facing. Now you may say, well, maybe the donkey does not really the sound of humility, necessarily. Well, keep reading, read verse 10 of Zechariah, and look what it says. It says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse. Could Jesus not pro procure himself with a war horse? Yes, he could, but this kind of king that is coming is the one that's coming for peace to the nations, not the kind of king that's coming for war, for the military needs the people needed at that time in Rome. So we see who the people thought they wanted, that's not who they actually needed in God's eyes. They came to see Jesus, they welcomed him as a king, and they found him riding on a donkey, and he comes humble, not warrior-like, not like Simon the Maccabee. And the text continues, it says this, Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him. Now, there is a contradiction here that if you read the text closely that you should find. How come the crowd, who did not even spend much time with Jesus, identified Jesus as the king of Israel, shouting someone 18, 25, 26 to him. But the disciples, the disciples who actually breathe this morning breath when he wakes up in the morning, who walk the street 6.7 miles from Bethany with them to Jerusalem, they who sat under his teaching both private and public, they did not know these things about Jesus. They did not understand these things. That's not what the text is saying. It's not saying they didn't understand Jesus was the king. The text is saying they did not understand the kind of king Jesus was. They did not understand the kind of king Jesus would be. Because, as you're going to see, if you read the Passion Week text, Jesus is going to die on Friday, coming up. And Sunday, he rose up. Guess who's coming to the tomb? Ladies. Not even John, not uh, the big disciples, not Peter. And you know what the ladies were carrying in their hands? 
spices to embalm the body. Meaning, what did they expect to see? A dead body. If you bring spice to embalm, what do you expect to see? That means, there is, the point is not they didn't know Jesus is the Messiah, but it's the kind of Messiah they didn't know they understand. It's the kind of Messiah they didn't know they're going to need. Because the text said, but when Jesus was glorified, that's what they didn't understand. That's when they remembered the prophecy. So what does that mean? It means, you know, when you see glorified here, glorified here means Jesus is vindicated from death. That means he rose from the dead. When he's glorified, that means when he came up out of the grave, that's when they understood. Meaning, Christianity, the kind of Christ you are looking, makes no sense unless the resurrection is true. The Jesus you think you need is not whom you actually need unless you believe that he actually rose from the dead. Picture this. The text continues. It says, there is another crowd within the crowd. If you look at the other crowd. Verse 17 says, the crowd that had been with him when he, was, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, they continued to bear witness. Meaning, while you see a lot of people, there's a smaller group that actually witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus. Could it be that man who raised, who did a resurrection, could it be the one they need for the temporary problems? They saw it and they started testifying. And now, within that crowd, other people now were more interested. The reason why people wanted to see Jesus is because he did a sign. This is theologically significant. Why? When you read the book of John, you see the word sign. A sign is a miracle that is pointing to who Jesus is. But unfortunately, people are missing something about who Jesus really is. He is the Messiah, but what kind? So, the reason why the crowd went to meet him is that they heard he had done this sign, meaning he had resurrected Lazarus from the dead. How many of you know that Lazarus died again? Otherwise, he would be in the street in Israel right now. When you go do your Israel tour, you would meet him. Or maybe he would make a trip to Boston and meet you and say, see, Jesus is actually did that. He's not here. So meaning, the crowd was following Jesus because they heard he had done a sign, but that sign wasn't supposed to point to a temporary relief from death. Jesus was revealing he's there for the eternal solution from death. Not the death that can take away your body, but the death that takes away the soul. Jesus came to deliver, to be the Savior, the eternal Savior for your eternal problems, the kind of problems you bring to Jesus to solve, the kind of person you expect to see in Jesus. He's saying, I am more than what you expect of me. So what happened to your felt needs when you come to see the king? You find out he's more than whom you expected him to be. He's more than whom you wanted. So what I'm trying to say is that someone that you are after, that you think you need, that, something, that someone that you think you may need is not a mother, is not a father, is not a husband, is not a wife, is the giver of all spouses, of all husbands, all wives, all fathers. The giver, not the gift. This is who you need. They needed Jesus for what he could do. 
But Jesus saying, you need me for who I am. Next, we also see, when we come to see Jesus, what happened to your felt needs, you find out that what you truly need, not just whom you truly need, but you find out what you truly need. Verse 24 is going to help us see that. uh, Actually, verse 23 first. The Pharisees got jealous, obviously, of Jesus, because Jesus is gathering a crowd, and they went into hyperbole, saying, hey, the world has gone to him. Of course, that's hyperbole, you know, it's not really the world, uh, but it's how they felt, obviously. And then there's a group of Greeks. When you see Greeks, they're not Greek from Greece necessarily. That's the Greek-speaking world at that time. They started talking about Gentiles who became proselytes, that they believe uh, like the Jews believed. Therefore, they came to worship at the feast, you know, of Passover. They came to celebrate that. And they asked to see Jesus. When they asked to see Jesus, the word see here does not mean to see at a distance. It means to have an audience, to have a conversation, to talk to Jesus. You remember Nicodemus in John chapter 3 came at night. He came to see Jesus. He came to have an audience with Jesus. Look how Jesus responds in He said, the hour has come, in verse 23, for the Son of Man to be glorified. The request to see Jesus is not even answered. If he did go to see them, we don't see that here. That means it's not that important to be reported. Rather, immediately prompted Jesus to identify that he's about to be crucified. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I mean, the time has come for me to go to my death. And through that death, also we'll be glorified. He knows that, but look what he says. He says, truly, truly, that means emphasis. I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it goes to the ground and dies, right, it bears more fruit. Meaning, you don't need... You don't need the kind of person who's going to deliver you from temporary death. You need the one that's going to die. And from his death, just like when you plant a grain in the ground, it springs, you know, uh, you know, the sprouts up, and it becomes a tree, and that tree bears much fruit. You want the kind of king that's going to die. And when he dies, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be made I mean, made new, going to resurrect, they're going to have life, going to be Christians. Gonna, that's what we have 2,000 years later. We are here. That's the fruit. It's going to make disciples. But Jesus is saying, you really think you need life? But actually, you don't. You need the life. You, you, you don't need life the way you think. This is what it says. It says this. It says, Jesus says, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal, for eternal life. So in other words, death is the way to life. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning of that which God truly wants you to be. So you think what you need is temporary relief. Of course you do. Of course. But Jesus is saying you need something deeper. You need not to focus on self. That's what the pursuit of self is. That's what whoever loves his life means. If you love your life, meaning... You want your pleasure, you want your possession, that's money, 
And you want your power. None of these are wrong, by the way. None of these are wrong. God created things before he made us to enjoy. So meaning, it's not wrong to desire these things, but when your focus is self and the pursuit of this, that's where you find your significance, God is saying you're actually self-destructing. Just that what you think you need, that's not what you truly need. That is what you need. Whoever hates his life in this world, this is the key word, in this world, if there is a life in this world, how many of you think there is a life, there is a different kind of life, right? When Jesus pointed to life in this world, he's saying, I know you're looking at me. You want me just like I see him. I, 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 I performed the miracle where I delivered a man that you can see right here. Therefore, you want me to deliver you from Rome because if I can do this, I can do more. They say, that's not what you actually need. You want to not pursue neither money nor power no pleasure. Rather, you should forsake these and focus on me. And then you will have true life. How do I know this? He said, if anyone, you know, whoever hates his life in this world, hate doesn't mean hate in the absolute sense, but it means prefer. You know, in the, in the Old Testament it says, Jacob, I love, but Esau, you know, I hate it. God doesn't hate Esau. Have you read the Old Testament? Esau was prosperous even after you know all this thing happened to him if you read the text god blessed him but in a different way so god doesn't hate him but it's a semitism it's a way of a matter of speaking it's to show the preference of one thing over another meaning god is not asking you to not meet your earthly needs but he wants you to pursue deeper than your earthly needs he said, hate this life in this life, and you'll keep it for eternal life. And if anyone serves me, he must follow me, Jesus says. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Here's the, here's the full turnaround of that need. Jesus is saying, just like the grain, if it doesn't die, there is no life that comes of it. Well, unless I die and be glorified, there's no Christianity, there's no movement, there's no saving from the sins of this world. In the same way, if you don't die to yourself, there is no life for you either. But if you die to yourself, you serve me, what will happen is you will be honored by whom? By God. I don't know how many of you have sought to be honored by men and you found they let you down. That relationship that you think you actually need so much, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, you think you need so much, after a while, it loses its luster. You know, the warm, fuzzy feelings go away. They don't stay forever. They're unreliable. That kind of parent you wanted, that kind of relationship you wanted with your family, that you, it doesn't last forever. Even if you have the most enviable relationship, it comes to an end. Because there's this thing called death. That has an appointment with anyone, but none of us have an appointment with it. So God is saying today, I am not the God that's here to serve. I mean, what you actually is not a God that needs to serve your need for goods and services. God is saying, I'm not here for your cornflakes or your Netflix. Rather, you need the God that whom you actually need to turn your focus toward and serve and not serve yourself. And that is what you actually need. 
You need Jesus focus, not self focus. You need God focus, not me focus. I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten on the road to go somewhere, to get to a particular destination, and you find out once you get there, that's not where you intended to go? Well, four years ago, Merva and I, we moved to New England, not knowing that in almost every, almost every couple states in New England, they have the same names of towns. The towns were, the names of towns were duplicated. For instance, there is a book line in Massachusetts, but there's also a book line in New Hampshire. There is a Salem in New Hampshire, which everybody knows about, but there's also a Salem in Massachusetts. So Marilyn had to run some errands, and she whips out her, her phone and puts in a GPS, <laughs> such and such place, in Salem. How many Salems could there be, right? And when she gets there, she finds out she needed to go to Salem, Massachusetts, but she was in Salem, New Hampshire. Meaning, she drove extra miles, extra distance, to find out where you wanted to go, that's not really where you wanted to go. It goes the same way spiritually. We live in a world where we pursue money, sex, and power. Have you ever watched a movie lately? You can find these three things. If it's not pursuing any of these three, then it's not a movie. If they're not pursuing some money that is lost, or some money that needs to be gained, you know, some pleasure, some relationship that was that lost that needs to be found, you know. Boy meets girl, they break up, and boy finds girl at the end of the story, and they live happily ever after. That's not a movie. Or lastly, if it's not about some power, you know, somebody trying to conquer Washington, and Washington finds some hero that goes out of his way to deliver Washington, you know, from the invaders. You know, money, pleasure, power. That's what we pursue, that's what we are about. And we wake up early, we go to bed late. We do two jobs, three jobs. When we get home, we cracked up our laptop, I'm guilty of that, to do more work. Because we want to pursue stuff in this life. Nothing wrong, but one nuance that we need to grasp. We will pursue these things in this life for their own sake. We'll find ourselves in the wrong Salem we'll be at the wrong destination. My doctor told me my need was way lower than what I was freaking out about. But Jesus, when you come to him, he tells you you need more than what you think you need. He gives you the opposite to what my doctor told me. My doctor laughs in my face because he knew I was fearing for something that was not real. I, need, I, 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 I was dealing with something less. But when you come and you come to Jesus, you ask for what you think you need, you come, you expect to get something out of Jesus. You think you need something way more. Your problem is way worse than you think. The people of Jerusalem had bigger problems than Rome. They had bigger problems than paying taxes to Caesar. They had bigger problems than temporary death. Jesus is saying, your problems are not really relationships. 
Your problems are not really money. Your problems are not really prestige and self-fulfillment. Your problems are deeper. They are a sin problem. Your problems are so deep, are so big, so deep, so wide, so big, I'm going to have to go to the depths of Hades and die and spend three days in order to dig you out of it. So you think you, you, you have massive reflux? You actually are having a heart attack. That's the opposite. So, Many of you came today hoping that Jesus may minister to you today. Somebody may minister to you, say a good word of encouragement, or pray a nice prayer over you. The pastor may be laying hands of you, but today I'd like to challenge you. Jesus saying, what you think you need is not what you truly need. You actually, instead of needing to be served, you actually need to serve somebody today. So as the worship team, team makes its way back, as they sing, as they play, I'd like to encourage you to do this. You're going to stand up. You're going to look at the person on your left. If you're at the end, look at the person on your right. And you're going to ask them, how can I minister to you today? How can I pray for you today? Because what you think you need is what you truly need. You don't need self-focus. You need other focus. You need Jesus' focus. You don't need to be served today. You need to serve. You don't need just temporary help today. You need eternal help. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for coming. Thank you for Palm Sunday, because without a Palm Sunday, Lord, there's no resurrection someday. We ask, Lord Jesus, that as your people, you help us focus on who you truly are. Help us focus on what you truly are about. Not ourselves, but you. We are made, we are made for something greater than what we are pursuing, Lord God. We don't want to end up in the wrong destination. We want to end up in the right place which is with you. Where you are, you said, your servant will be also. This is where we want to be. Help us serve somebody today. Help us serve Christ today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
talking about the week before Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected. 
and you know it was beautiful the way that that Wilson framed it because who we're looking for and what we're looking for is often not what we need you know we just think oh if, if I just had somebody that pulled me would just get me out of this problem uh, you know who I need is someone that will make this trouble go away this pain go away and and every single group of the people, and if you've grown up in the Catholic Church where, where I kind of grew up, you know, everybody left with a palm. It was already dried out, you know, but they're, they're throwing them on the ground, but they have no idea who they're celebrating or what they're celebrating because Jesus is there and saying, you think you need to go to Salem, New Hampshire, but you really need to go to Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> And, and uh, I'm just gonna, you can keep playing something nice and sweet there, but, but I know it was profound, but, but here's what I was thinking about was the when is just as much of a trouble for us. You know, when, when we've got our eyes on this life so focused, we've got our, our energy and our efforts so focused on this life that we forget that Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is with you now, now, that, that he doesn't sit just on a throne in heaven and he is certainly not on the throne of, of Europe and he's not on the throne of, uh, of the United States or Russia or China or anywhere else, but, but he sits on the thrones of individual hearts. What you see, what you've been looking for, who you've been looking for. And when you've been looking for it has been all in the wrong place, but he's here today because he wants to redirect your attention to who he is. He is a loving father. He doesn't care what you've done or what you've become. He's saying, I want to forgive you. I want to bring you home. He doesn't, he, he knows what you need better than you need it. And when you need to put your attention, you ever find where you're, you're, you're just like, get me out of the problem. God says, no, I want to get you through the problem because if you go through it, you'll be able to go through the next one that you face and the one after that and the one after that. And you can show people around you that God doesn't just take you out of situations. He helps you overcome them. And so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like for us as we, as they continue to, to play, I'd like for us to just take a prayer moment here. And I'd like for you to bow your head, close your eyes, and respect the people that are next to you. But maybe you're here today and who you thought Jesus was, you thought who you thought Jesus was was never even what you expected. You, you, who, who he is is you thought you needed God to tip the scale in your favor, and the whole time what you need is him. You need him as your Lord. You need him as your Savior. And if you're here today and you've been struggling with him, just giving him that invitation to say, God, just change my life. I, I need you to reorder my world. If you're God and you are all powerful and all knowing, then you know how to come in and clean up this mess in a way that I can't. Forgive me of my sin, change the direction of my life, move me from curse to blessing. If you're here and you're saying, I just need God to come in and do for me what I can't, raise your hand across this room with eyes closed and heads, heads bowed. I see hands all over this place. Thank you, I see your hand, I see your hand. Here's the other thing too. You've been stuck in the rut of Christianity. You know who Jesus is. You know what he's about. But the when has been put off far too long. You haven't allowed him to be Lord in the moment. 
in the moment and you're really good at singing songs and showing up at Easter and Christmas and putting down palm branches, but he's saying it's time for me to be Lord of your life for your entire life. It's time for you to surrender completely to me. And maybe you're 12 years old or maybe you're 72. Nothing is wasted with Jesus. If that's you here with your eyes closed, your head bowed, you're saying, I want to give what I have left to God and I want to glorify him and I need his blessing in my life and I want to bless the world around me. Lift your hand across this room. If that's you, you're saying, God, I'm all yours. I'm all yours, Jesus. Father, you're a good father. We're all in. We surrender to you here today. And we glorify you and we sing it to you in Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being our Father. Lord, maybe you might not be what we expected or who we thought we needed, but you are never late. You are there in the moment. Lord, be Lord in the moment of our life. Help us to be mindful of you this week. 
And we just say to you today, Hosanna. Lord, that means save us. Save us from what's going on outside of us. Save us from the crazy things that we let fly around inside of us. Lord, if it took 10 plagues and 450 years to deliver Israel, Lord, help us not to expect every deliverance to come instantly, but to continue to pursue you for freedom. And if we fail and if we fall, help us to fall toward you so at least we're closer to you. We just thank you for the grace that's ours, the forgiveness that's ours, and we are going to go in it. In Christ's name, amen. I want to encourage you next Sunday to bring your enemies, your frenemies, and your friends. We are going to have such a great service of liberation and freedom as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. God bless you as you go. Take some of those cards. Be intentional. We love you, and it is an honor to be one of your pastors here at this church. God bless you, and have a great day. Thank you again for being with us today. To listen to all of our messages, follow us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify, and go to lowellag.org or ne-cc.org to keep up with all of our news, updates, and events. Thank you, and God bless.